Welcome to the Conscious Christian Conversations podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Kyleen. We are two spunky Christians with diverse backgrounds and life experiences who want to encourage each other and you listening to challenge your subconscious beliefs. Each episode, the two of us will be having a conversation around a specific topic that we may or may not have different perspectives on. If you haven't already, please listen to episode one to learn what we are all about. Without further ado, here is today's episode. Yeah. All right, cool. So we're talking about faith versus works. So this is huge because, um, in, in our culture across denominations, we have Protestants and Mormons and Catholics and different denominations of Christianity that will put a lot of emphasis on one side or the other. Right. And then if you look at the old Testament versus the new Testament, you also get different ideas of what salvation is, right? Which because Jesus totally transformed that, that right. concept, right? So in the old Testament, there were thousands of laws that the Jewish people lived by and they lived by those because they were literally what paid for their sins and demonstrated um, that they were being obedient to God and they were following God's law. And that is what provided justification for them and essentially old testament salvation and so um it was really like it's interesting if you think about the old testament though and them having to follow all of these laws they basically were mirroring what jesus did with his death on the cross and he he did it in one act he he fulfilled all of the laws and was the ultimate sacrifice so anything that was in the old testament jesus came to uphold and fulfill and he did that with his sacrifice um and it's like at the same time the old testament did include faith because it's like why would you do all of this you know this is a really complicated life to live yeah why would you do all that if you didn't have faith right so I think there was even an aspect there they they had to believe um in God in the creator in in the 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 one and only God the father and uh because of that they did all these works that were laid out essentially to prophesy to point us towards the ultimate sacrifice and redeemer when Jesus did come So when we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, we have that little bit of a difference. So the Old Testament is very focused on um, salvation by works, although I do think there's the faith aspect in there. Then Jesus comes, is the ultimate sacrifice, and we have a lot in the New Testament that then um, emphasizes that it is by faith in Jesus. It is by faith through him and that he is the the narrow road, that he is the only path that leads to salvation and that this faith in him is required for salvation. Right. So I thought this was a big enough topic um, that we should really look at what, what does, what are the verses in the Bible? Because it's very interesting that they on the surface seem to contradict a little bit. And we know that if if they contradict, then we're not interpreting them correctly. So we have, and I also found it interesting that the new Testament um, references are all like in chapter twos. So we have Galatians two, Ephesians two, and James two. Oh, interesting. Right. I was like, like, that's so cool. Okay. So I'll just go through each of those separately really quickly. We can talk about them. Okay. Wait, wait, before we do that though, like, what do you believe? Do you have to have works in order to be saved? 
or is faith alone enough? Oh, for salvation itself, faith alone is enough. But I think the conversation is going to get a little more um, nuanced. And I think that when we look at, so Galatians and Ephesians are written by Paul and James obviously is is written by James. So we have um, two separate authors and the contradiction comes between the two. And, but it, but what I think when I was reading through them, I don't actually think there is a contradiction. Um, So I think it'll kind of become clear when we look through the passages, but very in like a very short word, faith is enough for salvation itself. Okay. What about you? And what is your perspective on um, how works fit into that? I'll talk about it after I read James. (laughs) Fine. So what, what is your, like your general perspective, like faith works? Yeah. So definitely that, I mean, very clearly faith in Jesus as a savior is enough. That's where his grace comes in as long as we believe. Um, But from the works perspective, it's like nobody gets a free ride, right? So it's not like you won't be saved, but you still will have to go through the judgment if you don't follow what he's telling you. And there's the part about do you truly believe if he's telling you that you're supposed to be doing something and you're just ignoring him? That's like with your parents, right? Are you truly an obedient child? If you're like, oh yeah, sure. I love you guys. And then they go out and commit crimes and whatever, or you know what I mean? Or is it like, yes, I I love you. You told me that I can't stay out past curfew. I better be home before curfew. Like the obedient, faithful child is going to follow what their parents are telling them. And so I kind of think about our relationship with Jesus the same way where I love him. I trust in him. I believe in him. I know that I'm saved, but I better be doing what he's telling me to do because otherwise I'm going to have to face the wrath of Jesus when I get up there. I think that's a very interesting concept that we should definitely talk about after the verses, the, the idea that if you're not good enough, you're going to face judgment. Okay. So Galatians 2 16 says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So, I mean, I feel like that's like super clear, right? Like, boom, and it has to be faith in Jesus. Right. And the works of the law would be referring back to all of the thousands of rules that they had to follow in the Old Testament. Like he clearly thinks all of those, right? Right. Yeah. And well, there's a lot in the New Testament that that's talking about like, hey, you know, these things don't qualify, like qualify you to get in heaven. Like you don't have to be circumcised, for example. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. Like those don't actually... You can eat pork. Yeah. You can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So then Ephesians 2 talks about, I mean, uh, let's see, where should I start here? Um, but God being rich in mercy, I'm starting at verse four, Ephesians 2, 4. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, have you been saved through faith? 
And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I think this one's um, also very clear that it's by faith. But I think what's really interesting about this passage is that it says, um, you know, there's a re there's a actually a reason that it's by faith. And that's that nobody can boast on like how how good they were to get into heaven. Right. And there's other passages too that that clarify, like we will never be good enough to get into heaven. Right. Like we, his grace. Yep. We can't, there's, there's nothing we can do to qualify. So those, and, and how, and how those efforts actually look like filthy rags. And so like our efforts are like that, they're, they're that gross. Like, like we yep. could, we could try and try and try and try and try and never measure up to his holiness or the standard with which it would be required to be in his presence because right. he is so pure and holy and good and right and true. And like, we, we just don't measure up to that. Like, and there's no way that we can do it. Um, so it says, you know, Hey, like it's, it's by faith partially because like, we don't want to be boasting in our good works. Like, look how good I am to get in heaven. Um, but, but he does also, mention, yeah, go for it. He does mention at the end for where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Like there yeah. is like, we do need to move into that. And I think that's where James, which is about to sound a little bit contradictory, I feel like is, is not actually at all. Right. Yeah, because it and it's very clear in multiple places that he does expect us to be doing his work on earth as part of our um yeah. See, this is where it gets hard to say the words without making it sound like in order to be able to get to heaven, you have to do these works. This is where I think of so much of the confusion comes in. Mm -hmm. But it's like I, I just keep coming back to, you know, the good and faithful child who wants to make their parents happy. So they do what they're told to do, even when they don't want to do it. Like if they know, they know that they're supposed to be doing something. And so to show their love for their parents, they obey. And so I, I just kind of keep coming back well, to those. I think things. like that, um, I can totally see that analogy, but I also think people might struggle with that because they may not have had good, benevolent, kind parents. They may have had like abusive parents, for example, and they may struggle with the, that idea because then it, it sounds almost like we have to just, um, ignorantly obey the commands of this all powerful being, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yes, I think that's a great example for people who maybe have really amazing parents. And then also, I think there's some people that, that may need a different thought process because of their history with parents. Um, does that make sense? It it does, but I feel like, and it, it, and you can lose that love, but I think that we all initially have that love for our parents. Like we want to, to do good. We want to make them well, from happy. Our, from the child's perspective. The, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And so like the parents themselves or the relationship might've turned to crap or, you know, whatever that relationship is. Like, I get what you're saying. Um, and there might be so much anger there that they don't even want to make that comparison, which I totally get. But I mean, I think that at some point, like if they go back and you can think about when you were really little, assuming that, you know, they still have those memories. Like, I think all children inherently, they want their parents to love them. They want right. to be yeah. good children. They want to do what their parents yeah. to, to make them happy. And then of course the parents can, can be like right. that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Human, human parents aren't God. Yeah. So exactly. exactly. That's, that's a good comparison in terms of like from the child's perspective. And then, when, but when you're thinking about God, recognizing that 
um, because he is holy, he is righteous, he is perfect, all of the things that he would ever ask you to do, unlike a, a human parent, everything that he would ever ask you to do is for your benefit, is for the ultimate good, is for the process of sanctification. So really quickly to get like super deep into theology. So I believe that you're justified by faith, which means basically you are saved through faith, but through the process of the Holy Spirit that works on you through your salvation on earth, your time on earth, that's the process of sanctification, which is the process of becoming more like Christ. And through that process, you're going to have the fruits of the spirit if you're going through that process. Right. Yes. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Uh, what is it? Self-control. All of those that are listed out. Right. So I think that is an outcome through the process of sanctification. <clears throat> yes, I would totally agree with that. Okay. So James actually comes in and, and the way it sounds on the surface, like totally contradicts, like it sounds so confusing. So let's talk about it. So James two, starting in verse 14 says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now we're going to talk about this at the end, but I don't think dead means you're not saved. It just means you're a crappy person. Okay. <laughs> so just to clarify, as we're continuing here, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. So that, that I think is what we're kind of talking about is like, it's really the sanctification process. It's the work of the Holy spirit. It's the actual demonstration of a heart change. And when that heart change is there, then, then works are an and a natural outcome of that. And so we can kind of talk about that, but that that's sort of what I'm thinking he's saying here. So show me your faith without works. And I'm going to demonstrate that I have faith. You can see it because of the fruits of spirit, because of the outcome of my faith, I'm doing these good works. So you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe in shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is use, useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in that same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So on the surface, it sounds like, well, you have to have works in order to have faith or in order to be justified. <laughs> but I think what his driving point is, is that if you actually truly do have faith, there's, there you can't, there's no true faith that's not going to eventually show up in works in some way. Right. I think that's his point. Yeah. So, and, you know, we see that in, in life experiences where we, um, we look at someone that claims to be a Christian and they are just an evil person. They're yeah. bitter. There's no transformation in their life. They're unkind. They're hateful. And, you know, we, no one can say except God, because he can see the heart. If that person is truly 
um, truly has faith, truly has believed or not. But I, I have a hard time thinking that if you really love God, like you were saying, if you really love him and you really have that heart change and, and just on a conscious level, not, not even on like a heart level, just like a conscious level, if you truly believe that there is this, this magnificent, all-powerful being that created the universe, that loved you enough to create you, give you purpose, give you worth, knew you and, and knit you in your mother's womb, created you, placed you on this earth in this point in time, designed earth in all its um, complexity and intricacies and beauty, and put you here at this moment in time for a purpose. If you really believe that, like, I feel like you're going to feel a little pressure to do what he says. Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> But, and I keep coming back to like, um, Luke six forty, uh, Luke chapter six, verse 46. Um, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I say? And you know how he says that, um, there were people who will call me Lord that won't get into heaven. Like, yeah. and I think well, that's going to say like, even the demons, like, no, I was right? just going to say, believe. yep. Yeah. The demons know that Jesus is there. They believe in him. They have faith, but they don't, they don't act in accordance with how they there's, should there's a conscious knowing and there's a heart change and I think that is where okay so salvation I believe you are given the Holy Spirit upon salvation right so you can know the truth and not accept it yeah or you can know the truth and accept it at which point the Holy Spirit comes into your life at the point that the Holy Spirit comes in and begins working in your life that begins the process of sanctification. Yeah. And that means, unfortunately, that throughout your life, you're going to be challenged to grow. Mm -hmm. Because that is the only way that you are going to eventually bear the fruits of the spirit. Because there is no one on this earth that has developed patience, that has not had patience challenged. That's right. And I don't <laughs> know about you, but when you truly accept him and he wants you to do something and you know he wants you to do something and you don't do it, like things get harder and harder and harder until you learn that lesson and you finally are like, all right, fine. And you do it. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess that would have saved me a lot of, uh, a lot of heartache if I had just done that from the beginning. You know, I've, I actually uh, was really thinking about this recently for a couple of reasons. One, I've been going through some massive personal growth experiences that, you know, are frankly very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I get really annoyed because <laughs> Yes. I think I'm a pretty good person. I'm really, really nice. I'm really, really empathetic. I always try to do the right thing. You know, it's like, can I have a freaking break, please? You know, <laughs> nope. um, but I've chosen consciously this path of growth, not just spiritually, but like, I mean, I mean, I think it's all tied in spiritually, but just as a human being, like I pursue these routes of, um, I want to be, I want to be better. I want to work on my subconscious. I want to deal with my trauma. I want to deal with my emotions. I want to, you know, heal from these things that have happened in my life. And because of that, the only way to do it is to get into the muck and the mire and mm -hmm. look at the plank in your own eye. Like why, like when I've learned about all of these subconscious reprogramming techniques and emotional processing and everything that I now do with my clients, it, it means that I have to look in the mirror a lot. Yeah. And it's really uncomfortable and, um, it's, it's not a fun process because the more you grow, the more you see it's, it's like when I, yeah. uh, as a singer, I went to school for vocal performance and it's like the worst, it's like the worst thing in the world. The better a singer you are, the worse you feel, because now you hear all the imperfection mm -hmm. and it's the same through the sanctification process, the better 
Um, the more, more deeply spiritual, the more you're aware of what truth looks like, the more that you're aware of what loving looks like, the more that you're aware of what true kindness and peace and joy looks like, the more you're aware of all the things in your life that are giving you a different filter or having you experience things in a different way or causing negative interactions because of stuff that you've gathered through life that you haven't dealt with, or that, you know, is really holding you back. And then another reason I was thinking about it recently because I've been going through some of these growth things but I was really thinking about the idea of um you know God allowing things to happen in your life because you are called to be higher and for you to accept the challenge basically and I really felt like when I had cancer it was one of those huge growth opportunities and I and I viewed it that way I was like listen I I can't just view this as a physical thing in my life like I know that there's something deeper emotional that I'm supposed to take from this Mm. And I was open to it and I didn't know anything uh, at the time that um, I know now in terms of all, all these deep, um, this, this inner work that I've been doing. I was just at the, the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, just knowing that maybe, maybe emotions played a role in the development of this disease, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I was, I was open to it and everything. And um, I was thinking the other day, I was like, well, darn it. You know, I think the betrayal in my life was another thing that God was like, you know what, maybe not, not that it was used to, I, I want to clarify this because if anybody's going through betrayal, I never want you to say, oh, it's because God was punishing me or anything like that. Right, no, 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 right. like, no, it's, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. You didn't, you didn't do anything. When people get sick, it's not God punishing you for your sin no. or anything like this. No, but no. I think he does allow things in our life to happen in a way that um, we can grow from. When we look back, we can grow from them. And I was looking at my life experiences and I'm like, well, he he gives me a lot of opportunity. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it's like, maybe I'm not always getting the point. Maybe I'm not always fully submitting. Maybe that's why, you know, things, I don't know. Um, and being aware of that and thinking about that, I've learned a lot through these experiences. And um, I've grown a lot and, and you don't always know, I think when you're going through it in the middle of it, you're not always aware of, yep. you don't, you can't always tell in the middle of the pain what the reward's going to be. But I think if you, if you view life experiences, knowing that there's an opportunity um, through it, then you will get what you need to get from it. Yeah. And I think as a Christian, it's like our responsibility because what you see alternatively is victim mentality and bitterness and anger and all these things are they're quite the opposite of the fruits of the spirit, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, I, that's one thing that I have to say out of everything that my mom has taught me, the thing that I will always be most grateful for is um, her lessons in when we're going through something hard that we, we thank the Lord for, um, for the trials and asking, what do you want me to learn from this? And really seeking, like, what am I, how am I supposed to grow? Yeah. And, that's funny. Cause I don't think I would thank God for my betrayal. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't think I would say thank you for this for, yeah. I wouldn't say thank you for the experience. I would say Thank you for the lessons I've learned through it. Well, and that's right. And that's exactly what she would say is, 
you know, each, each trial that we go through is a lesson for us to learn and grow. And so we need to be thankful, not that we're going through pain or suffering and not for the situation necessarily, but we do need to be thankful to him for caring enough about us to allow us to go through that. Because I, you know, you hear all the time, everyone's like, well, I don't really grow when I'm feeling happy and content. Like everything's going well. Like I just am there. It's when we, when we struggle and we have, you know, things that we're going through that, that the growth truly happens. And if he didn't care enough about us to put us through those things, as much as we would appreciate that, we're not going to grow closer to him. That's when, you know, every single time that I have gone through a struggle, it has always pulled me to him. And I just, I, I am beyond thankful that he's given me those struggles so that I can get to know him and rely on him more and know that he loves me. And that's the reason, you know, it's just like, you know, the helicopter parent, right. Who won't let their kid experience anything because they don't want them to, to hurt or, Mm -hmm. you know, go through pain. And then they grow up and they're the ones who rebel and are the one, like they, they feel so, um, so controlled that, you know, is so, so protected that they start resenting their parents. And it's like, he loves us enough to let us go and to experience some of these things that he allows to happen to us so that we can grow closer to him and also grow through it. And, um, so I, yeah, I just have to say that that was the, probably the biggest thing that my mom instilled in me. And it's, it's made me a a happy person because, you know, bad things happen to me and, um, I, well, like everybody, right. That's what I meant. Bad things happen to me. Like it does to everybody else, but instead of being bitter or upset about it, or like, why me? It was, you know, I, I could, I could experience it once and grow through it and learn my lesson as opposed to other people that I've seen go through the same lessons over and over again. It's like, Ooh, just look for how you can grow through this. And you just hear them. Well, you know, poor me, why me? You know, it's like, Oh, that's not, that's not helpful. Like, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I would also say too, because I, I working in trauma and like abuse and stuff like that, I always have, I always want to like come from that perspective as well, because someone, a lot of Christian women can interpret this as well. I just have to say in my abusive relationship and it's like, no, no, maybe God is actually letting you grow through this so you can become independent and make a exactly. different choice. And he's pushing you to do something that's so incredibly out of your comfort zone, yes. which is to leave your current relationship. Right? Yes. So like, sometimes it's that it doesn't mean that you have to be this long-suffering person that takes abuse from other human beings. That's no, not no, no. what I'm saying here. Yeah, um, not at all. Because sometimes growth is actually getting out of those situations. And yep. that itself can be a sanctification process because it really challenges you in your faith, in your beliefs, in your capabilities. It puts you in a new situation. You have to work with new people and communicate with new people and think new thoughts and create Set new- boundaries for yourself. That, 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 boundaries, that then, yeah. yeah, that then establish- That is-, is. Oh yeah. yeah that's and, and that, that for sure is something that, you know, can also, you can be a light in others when they see you stepping away from a situation that is not okay to be in. Like you are being a light to others saying, well, if she has the courage to do it, I probably can too. You know what I mean? And like God uses us not only to grow ourselves, but to help grow others as examples. And so like, it's not just about us. It's about everybody that we're involved around and with that he can use us towards those purposes as well, which is super cool. But yes, absolutely. You're right. Like 
I'm glad that you clarified that for people who might be. Yeah, just because I know, I know so, so many times I think women that are so, I mean, they want to be good, right? They want to, to be the good girl. They want to be yeah. the best person and they get really kind of caught up in the, well, then that means that I have to like endure this. And that's just not true. Yeah. Um, or, or the yes, or the people pleaser, right? Like you want to be there to everybody and say yes to everybody because saying no is not being Christian, is not being good. And it's like, mm, one of the best things that I ever learned that blew my mind as a people pleaser, as a people pleaser, <laughs> coming from experience, is that people pleasing is manipulation. So, you know, is that, is that right? No, it's absolutely not. Like manipulation being, from who? So you are manipulating the situation so that you feel comfortable because not people pleasing is uncomfortable. So you try to get people to like so you. So well, it's self-manipulation. Yes. Your, your, your goal with people pleasing isn't to be your authentic self and to be loved for who you are. It is to get people to love you and do what that requires. Mm. So I'm going to kind of shift this way so that I can make this person happy because that in turn makes me feel good mm -hmm. versus just showing up in life as who you really are and doing the right thing and all this kind of stuff. Right. And that's a really hard concept I think because in my mind as a people pleaser I'm like well I just want to make people happy that's not bad right? right like I don't I just don't want to ruffle feathers I don't want to have conflict right but the reality is disagreement and conflict isn't bad yeah. and you speaking your truth and, and being authentic and setting boundaries those aren't bad things mm -hmm. and, and people pleasing basically hinders you from setting boundaries it hinders you from speaking your truth sometimes it hinders you from having hard conversations with people because you're afraid of it Right. And I have all of those experiences in my life. I struggle with those things. It's hard. And, and recognizing that I'm like, oh, people pleasing is actually very unhealthy. We want to view it as healthy because we're trying to be the good girl. Mm -hmm. And we think, you know, making people happy is good. And that's probably a childhood trauma, right? Like, <laughs> like I just want to like make my parents happy, right? Like a lot of us, like, that's okay. But, but in, in adult situations, a lot of times that is unhealthy in, in the way it manifests itself. And, um, it can be, especially if you're sacrificing your, yourself to do it. Like there's, there's a difference between saying yes to people because you legitimately want to say yes. And then there's the saying yes to people because you feel like you should, or you feel like it's your responsibility. A difference between being amiable and agreeable and yeah. just like, Hey, I don't really care. Like I'll just go with the flow and being a people pleaser, right? Where you are changing in order to manage this person's mood yeah and the outcome of the situation right right yeah right yeah, yeah. So, so I think even the definition of that can be hard to grasp oh my gosh yeah it's totally I, I was like wait what <laughs> what are you telling me right like I just want to make people happy like I get yeah. it um okay so back to faith versus works um yeah. one thing I definitely wanted to make sure we talked about though is okay so I, I really believe that if let's say you get saved and then you have a, a significant period of time before you die, like I think that it's going to become evident through the Holy Spirit acting in your life and your willingness to respond mm -hmm. to the Holy Spirit through the works that you do, that there is a combination of faith and works over the course of your life. And, and that is over the course of decades, the sanctification process as you change and grow and, and become more like Christ. Yep. Um, and there are two other situations. One, you become saved, you are justified, you're going to heaven, 
you have the Holy Spirit and it is a struggle bus of resistance and there's not a lot of growth. You're still one heaven. Yep. It's still possible. And you get saved on your deathbed. You've never done a good work in your life. You're still going to heaven because you have that example of the man on the cross. He Mm -hmm. literally had a heart transformation as he was dying. As he, was, as he was going through the death process. And, and, Jesus and just to clarify, you were talking about the thief on the cross next to Jesus. Right. Yes. That, that said, Hey, um, you know, I believe that you're the son of God. And Jesus said, you will see me today yep. in, in heaven, in paradise. So knowing that that was a legit, I mean, this man is suffering and in pain and in the middle of death and dying, knowing that that was a true heart change. If he had another 30 years to live, pretty sure he probably would have had this dramatic life transformation. (laughs) He wouldn't be a thief anymore. He probably would have seen some good works come out of him, right? Like if you think about uh, Paul's conversion and the dramatic change that he is such an obvious um, example, I think of what that means to like really um, have a mind change, a heart change. And like, it comes out in your life experiences and the way, the way you treat people, like literally he went from murdering people to converting people. Right. Yeah. Like that's like the, the most dramatic opposite ends of the spectrum. I think that we have as, as an example. Yep. Um, but had he converted and then died the next day, he, he would have died a murderer who went to heaven. Right. Right. So that, that's sort of how I view it. And when we look at scripture, I think James, the way it's worded, I think throws some confusion in there, but ultimately I think his point is, is what we're talking about is if you have time in life and it's really a heart change and you're receptive to the Holy spirit, like you can't tell me that you're not going to have good works come from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you literally can't, when you're filled with the Holy spirit and the Holy spirit is prompting you to do something and you try to resist that, like it doesn't go well. And it (laughs) It does not go well. well. I mean, not that I know from personal experience, uh, life becomes miserable. You become very unhappy and you almost have the opposite of the gifts of the spirit, right? It's like the not joy and happiness. It's pain and suffering until you're just like, all right, finally, yes, I, I, I can't do both. So either I have to give up my faith or I have to follow what he's telling me to do. Like you have to make a choice at some point. And, um, I think I would, Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I would totally agree with you that the person on their deathbed who makes that conversion, like that belief, um, they go to heaven and they might not have done a good work in their entire life. Like the works part doesn't matter, but if you're truly changed, as you've said, like you can't help, but start doing those works. I mean, it's the Holy spirit is acting out through us. And so like, and I think other people might not be as obvious, right? Like if, if, um, if they believe and they're really struggling, like there's, there's a lot of people that are very closed off because a lot of pain that they've experienced in life. And you may look at those people and from our perspective, say, how could you possibly be a Christian? And we, we have to be careful not to judge those people because we don't know, we don't know what's going on internally. We don't know how much pain they've had. And a lot of times the negative responses that people have in public is because of internal pain that, that they're experiencing. And that does not excuse it in any way. But, you know, when the Bible talks about God looking at the heart, that means that we have no right to judge anyone to say like what their level of bearing fruits of the spirit out is or isn't Um, in terms of like, well, they were pretty much a jerk to me my whole life. They're definitely going to hell. Like, you don't know that. Right. 
You know what I mean? Like they may really just have this internal struggle that went on their whole life and, and really have accepted, but not really um, been able to overcome some stuff, you know, but that doesn't mean that God gave up on them and he's able to see in their heart on the deepest level, was it real or was it not? And we're never going to know that. We have absolutely no idea who is going to have, who's going to hell. Um, Even our close friends and family, like I really hope that my my parents are going to heaven, but I I truly don't know because I don't know their hearts, right? Um, I I think that they're going to, they think they're going to. So, but really, God's the only one that knows. He's the only one that can make that determination. And um, and I think that that you're totally right that when we when we put our faith in Him, um, He sees that true transformation. And so, like we had, like you had mentioned before, you can have a Christian who goes to church who volunteers, you know, all these things, but doesn't do what they're being called to do, or is, is really not truly believing in Jesus, they might not be saved. Like, you know, it it depends on that, that faith of the heart. And then, and the other piece is, you know, we don't know what, what um, works God is calling each of us to do. So, and, and he makes them small works at the very beginning. Like when I first look at my journey of where I started, my works were very small and now he's calling me to larger works. And I've seen that progression. Like he's only giving us what we need at the time. And so if somebody doesn't make it past those smaller works, like as long as they're working towards it, you know, that's what he's calling us to do. And, and we can't judge, you know, oh, well, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't donate anything to charity. He didn't volunteer his time. He didn't do this or that. Well, we don't know what he was called to do or what his works were that were he, that God was assigning him. So that's not for us to judge. If you truly believe in him and you have that faith and you're saved, you can't help, but do the works. Like that's just part and parcel with it. Right. So, you know, studying, um, oh, this was one other thing I was going to say about the fruits of the spirit. So, okay. So I think there's a distinction to be made between having happiness as a Christian. Like I I heard someone say something to the effect once of, I'm just waiting for the happiness that God has promised me. I was like, God never provided or promised anybody happiness. That's in heaven. We get the happiness in heaven. (laughs) I don't know what theology that is, but like God did not promise that you're going to have this happy, go lucky, skip joy life. Like that's not what we are promised. In fact, he promised us the opposite. He promises us suffering if we follow him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and trials and tribulations and difficulties and everything like that. And I mean, we are so privileged in America. Like the thing that you and I are talking about is like this deep, intense emotional work and stuff. Like other people are dealing with, you know, legit trials and tribulations, like in the physical world and what, you know, what they're they're living with and, and everybody's a version of that, depending on where you live and, and who you are and what time you're born and all this kind of stuff, all of those are going to be different for everybody. But I think there's a good distinction to be made between happiness and joy. There's happiness is based on your life circumstances. Joy comes from the relationship that you have with God and the knowledge that there is something more for you in, um, in the big picture and in life and in eternity that you are living here for a purpose Mm -hmm. and that there's a purpose for everything that you go through. And so that allows you to really experience, you know, um, the, the, essentially the peace, the passes understanding, right. It's, it's, it's this grounding. It's a sense of peace, even when we don't understand why we're going through the things that we're going through. Right. And that can be, that can ha- go anywhere on the spectrum from, yes, I understand. And I accept this and I'm okay with it all the way to really struggling through that. But throughout the course of your life, 
joy really, um, I, I feel like as a Christian, is this underlying um, experience that you have, even when you're not happy because mm -hmm. of that process. Yeah. No, that's a good distinction. I think um, part of the reason that that is true is because of hope. Yeah. And that's like, there are so many experiences in my life. I don't know how I would have dealt with them if I didn't believe what I believed and had hope for the future. Mm -hmm. And for me, hope for the future is like, well, I can die tomorrow and I'm, I'm still good. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, it's not super determinant on, you know, yeah, I want to be happy. Yeah. I want to get out of this horrible situation. Yeah. I want this to improve and I'm going to work towards that. Right. But if it all ended, cool. Well, I mean, look at our political situation in our country and what's going on worldwide and all of the stuff that's happening. And it's just, you just see the moral decay and, and the unfairness of a lot of things that are happening and, and, and still through it all, um, you know, COVID everything, it's just like this peace where if I didn't have that peace, if I didn't know that he's got this under control and I'll be going to heaven when I die, I would be freaking out. I right guess I know. <laughs> I would need so much medication, but it's just like, you know, I know that, you know, he's got this. Um, and that doesn't mean not, you know, it doesn't mean you don't vote. It doesn't mean you don't, you know, right. take action. It doesn't mean you, you don't participate in the world and participate yeah. in your life to make things better. It just oh, means sure. that ultimately it doesn't really matter what happens in terms of, you know, you're going to do your best to contribute and it's okay. Whatever right. happens is okay. That's right. Because exactly. of what you yeah, I do. I do sometimes find it hard to like with that piece. And when I, I turn inwards, when I start watching too much of the news and I get just super frustrated at what's happening. And then I turn inwards like, it's okay. It's just like, and then I become this defeatist person. It's like, well, everything's going to crap anyway. The world's going to die. So it doesn't really matter what happens or what there I do. Is, there is nothing new under the sun. Yeah. And then, and then he's just like, yeah, no, you don't get to check out of life. Like you still have to live and do you know, I, win the good race. And I was I like, do, I do check out of the news though, to be, to be quite honest. I yeah. don't watch it. I usually, most of my news is now, gotten, most of my news is now gotten for my husband who sits and watches yeah. it every night. And then he shares all of the big things that are happening. And cause yeah, for, for a while there it was just too frustrating. Oh yeah. I, I can't do it. I feel like one of the, the best pieces of advice I ever heard was to completely give up news altogether, because if something's important enough, you'll hear about it. Yeah. Right. And, um, and, or you, you set aside like a 15 minute thing to get all the headlines and to kind of keep up on the big stuff, but yeah, then you, yeah. you just don't, you're not sitting there watching it. You're not scrolling it on social media. You're not getting sucked in because it's so much devastation. And, but honestly, like 90% of it is also manipulation. Like some oh, of it for sure. 90, I'd say like 99.9%. So, right. So it's like, just don't even like when it's important, like right. you set aside that time to kind of get the big stuff. Um, or you'll hear about it because when it's, when it's big enough, you'll know, yeah. but yeah, I just, I, I stopped. I, I can't, I don't, I don't look at stuff because it's just too, um, it impacts, I, I think as stewards of our mind and body, that's an important consideration too, yep. because what is it that we put in? What is it that we think about? What is it that we mull on? What is it that we focus on and think on and repeat on in our mind? So the input that we allow in, we need to be careful about it. And I'm not saying that like you ignore what's happening in the world, right? Like that's not my right. point, but you do have to be careful with how much, um, uh, 
what's the word? Negativity word? you absorb. How much negativity you absorb. And then if you do think that so much of it is manipulation and not actual like right. information that you need, like how much of that are you allowing to influence your thinking and your emotions? And so getting, getting the news, getting the headlines, getting the big world bullet points, like that can be really important, right? To be a conscientious participator in life. But, um, but yeah, you have to be careful how you do it. I think for sure, because the way it's yeah. done today is just, is, is just mind-blowing we had to actually ground my my dad permanently like we made him delete his Facebook account because he was spending hours a day on it and getting so angry by the end of the day he would not be he was not a very nice person to be around he'd yell at us and we're like what is going on yeah I mean yeah it's your nervous system and you're working through fear yep and then yeah. he would just get so angry. And I was like, and, and finally we came together and we did a, a Facebook intervention. We're like, dad, you got to get rid of this. And so he did, he's like, fine, I'll do it for like a month. Okay, that's fine. And then by the end of the month, his blood pressure was down. He was like way more that's relaxed. So like, I don't think I need to go back to Facebook. And we're like, yeah, that's awesome. That's such a great, I mean, it's like any poison, right? Just yeah. give it up for a period of time and yep. watch how your your mind and your body. And you, you think about Philippians 4, 6, I think that's such a good passage to keep in mind that is thinking um, thinking on what is pure and holy and right and good, yep. you know, yep. and I think that it's very important to remember even biblically that what we put in our mind is really important. What we meditate yeah. on is important. And, and all of those things in the modern world come into play. Yeah. And so to be aware of how much time we're spending zoning out or allowing certain perspectives or certain um, ideas or certain emotions or certain negativity um, or belief system, whatever it is to kind of come in and like, we're really, it ends up working on our subconscious and right. that's where, so like you totally just describe how this works with your dad. It goes into your subconscious, which creates a chemical cascade in your body, which impacts yeah. your behaviors and your habit patterns and, and your physical health, like literally your health. blood pressure skyrocketing. Yeah. So if you're not liking your habits, your patterns, your, your um, physical health, whatever it's, it's going into the, like, what is impacting your subconscious and like, what's going on there? Yeah, I, I find it very interesting that um, probably three or four, well, maybe a little bit longer, six months now, I I started making a point of doing coffee with God. So every morning, the first thing after I get the kids off to school, I sit down and I have, you know, 45 minutes where I'm reading through the Bible and praying, I'm kind of setting up my day. And I notice that on the days that I don't do that, either because my schedule, like it, whatever, when it doesn't happen, I feel more anxious. I, I get more angry about what's going on when I see a piece of news. And it's just very interesting to me, the more that I'm doing this, that it's just like it, it, I have to, it's like my drug. I have to sit down and read through the Bible and have that God time to set me up for a, a good, healthy day for the rest of the day. Um, because I'm way more productive. I feel way less anxiety. I sleep better that night. I mean, it's just crazy. The amount of change all from just spending 45 minutes in the morning in my Bible and, and, you know, and praying, I mean, so it is, and, and it's the, the research that we have on people who are regularly, um, engaged in a spiritual practice versus those who aren't is it's amazing. There are thousands of studies on PubMed, um, which if someone listening doesn't know what that is, it's basically where everything, all the research articles are kept. There are thousands of studies about how this positively impacts our emotional and mental state, as well as our physical health 
and the chronicity of symptoms and pain, cancer outcomes, all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty mind blowing. Um, it's funny because on these episodes, I feel like we agree more than we disagree, but it's, it's such, it's interesting conversation. I, I think we come from very different perspectives, yeah. but then we kind of end up in the same place. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What happened to our fiery, like when we first met and we were just like, no, you're so yeah, wrong. We haven't, we haven't talked about some of those topics yet. <laughs> That's true. We haven't, we're easing people in so that they're yeah. not thinking that we're insane people <laughs> or maybe they do. I don't know. It's okay. Yeah. Who knows? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our mission on this podcast is to probe topics within the Christian faith to ensure that what we believe is in alignment with scripture and that we understand why we believe what we do. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to leave a five-star review and share it with a friend. Did this topic challenge your belief? Did we give you a new perspective? Or did it solidify what you already knew to be true? Leave us a comment and tell us your thoughts. We can't wait to hear from you.